There is no denying that the current generation of athletes is different, not necessarily good or bad, but they are different. There are some things to consider this season when you're coaching and teaching Gen Z. There's advantages, there's challenges, and specifically for this episode, I want to talk about technology and how it has influenced this generation, and that means it influences our ability to teach them. So let's talk technology and Gen Z. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. I'm Dr. Chelsea, a former professional dancer and dance team coach turned sports psychologist. This podcast focuses on four main pillars, motivation, resilience, mindset, and community. Each week, you'll learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips to teach your dancers more than good technique. This is a podcast where we can all make a lasting impact and share our passion for dance. Let's do this. One of the challenges and actually advantages of today's dancers is that they're digital natives. It's a big reason why some of us feel like this generation is a challenge as well. So I want to dive into that idea of a digital native. Uh, that means that they have actually never known life without Netflix, Google, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, the iPhone, or Instagram. Can you just wrap your head around that for a minute? It's That's crazy to me to think about, but that's what it means for a lot of our dancers today. They're digital natives. They've grown up in a digital world. Going into the science on uh, teenage brains here for just a minute, and when I say teenage, I actually am going a lot broader than that. So your brain goes through major changes starting uh, really your whole life, obviously, but the big changes in adolescence start around 12 and will continue into our 20s. So I'm going to say adolescence, but really this is really very relevant middle school through college, right, and beyond. So current kind of research in cognitive psychology teaches us that dancers' brains are really different from our brains as the adults because there's a strong presence of technology in their childhoods, that it is changing how their brains are wired. So if you feel like dancers are maybe a little more emotionally unstable than years before, then the science supports you that we are seeing that shift in this generation. And some of it is because of technology. And the presence of technology means that more and more people are growing up with a lack of coping skills to deal with challenges in their life. So for all of us, the wiring in our brain is part of what's called a neural network. There's millions of neurons that connect with each other. It helps us learn, helps us process information, make decisions. And as a kid, we create more connections than we need. It's how our brains work. We have all those neurons fire and make more and more connections than we possibly need. And then as adolescents, we start to lose some of those connections. It's called neural pruning. Think of it like pruning a rose bush. Like you get rid of some of the stuff that's like dying off or you don't need it. It's not working as well to let the healthy part of the rose like flourish and grow. That's what our brains do, right? As adolescents, we start to prune away some of those connections and leave the healthy part to thrive. So your brain kind of discards rarely used connections connections in order to make room for the new skills that our advanced brains are learning. So it's how we learn like complex reasoning and reflection. And pruning can sound like a bad thing that we're getting rid of connections, but it's actually a really great advantage of being a human. It's one of the reasons why our adult brains are so miraculous. I'm knowing going into the weeds of science. Stick with me for a second. I'll come back to dance. But the problem with this neural pruning is it's kind of a use it or lose it principle. So for many of today's teenagers who grew up with this high exposure to technology, 
they aren't using the neural networks in their brains designed for human to human conversation. So those connections in their brain are being pruned and use it or lose it. They're not using it as much. And so our brains are kind of getting rid of it. So it yields a teenager who struggles with the ability to communicate and connect effectively. So your dancers are spending so much time communicating via text that their brains are literally rewiring for a new kind of communication. One that makes teaching them and connecting and getting close to them, understanding them feel like this insurmountable obstacle. I know I've struggled to connect with dancers sometimes. We feel like those conversations just don't flow or they're not as easy to you know, have those light conversations where we can really connect and get to know them. And it's a large part of because of the environment that they're growing up in. And it leads to two major challenges for us as the coaches and teachers. One, our dancers are starved for personal intimate connection, but they also struggle to communicate that need or even really understand that it's there. So now we have these two issues that their brains are rewiring and they don't understand the struggle that they have now to communicate. They may not even realize that connection is lacking and that they need it. They don't know any better. They don't know what they don't know, right? They don't know what they haven't had before, but they're still starved for that personal intimate connection because we are still humans. So I want to thinking about what that means for your, our teenage brains. I think it's important for us as the teachers and the coaches to recognize that the adolescent brain is actually very different than ours is as adults. We can't expect to you know, reach every dancer the same or have all these strategies work the same for everyone. Uh, you know, Everyone is still unique, but it is important to realize that their brains really are different. Just like a toddler's brain really is different, so is an adolescent brain. And how we can approach this generation as, their, as an adult role model for them can really help. So let's move into some you know, coaching strategies. Now that you've got a little quick lesson on the teenage brain and we understand that it's wired differently than ours, so we can't expect the same coaching strategies that worked with us to work today because their brains are different than we were when we were learning and growing. So we need to help teach them to communicate outside of their devices. We need to help them be comfortable communicating about their emotions to help them talk about difficult topics face to face. So here are I have three strategies that you can kind of implement in your practices and classes to help connect with your digital native dancers. As much as you can, keep screens out of practice and class and even team social time whenever you can. I think no phones at practice or class is pretty simple and many of us probably follow that, but I encourage you to ask your dancers to leave their phones in their bags or you know out of the room even at kind of team bonding or social events outside of practice. Right when they are getting ready for a competition or a football game or you know just you know on a break at convention for 30 minutes like encourage them to leave their phones in their bag even say like hey the next 30 minutes like nobody get your phone like you were allowed to talk and communicate with the people who are here in person and when you first do this they may find even 30 minutes to be really difficult right so you can start small start with only you know those small breaks and work up to it but they will start to notice better connection with their teammates and fellow dancers when they start to realize like, oh, I have wonderful humans in person here next to me. I don't need to go check my phone and see what's going on in the outside world. Challenge them to spend an hour after class or after practice, you know, go take a walk, go get ice cream, whatever they want to go do. And for that hour, no one is allowed to pull out their phone. Just kind of set a rule and like this is obviously all of this like barring emergencies, but 
the goal is to like, you can spend an hour without picking up your phone and connecting with the people next to you. Again, like teaching them to recognize how often they felt a desire to pull it out and check their phone and kind of ask them like, how many times did you think about it? How many times did you think it's in my back pocket and I want to pull it out? How many times maybe did they actually do it and not even realize that they had done it? We start now it's an automatic habit. We don't even notice it's happening, but have that little challenge. This challenge forces them to kind of fight through any silence or awkward pauses as they get to know each other, like help them get through that, learn how to communicate and get to know each other better. Uh, this is a great thing to do in the summer. It's why I bring it up now. It's like as you have new companies coming together, new groups of dancers, new teams, you can kind of do this little experiment, help your dancers be aware of how much they are using their phones and have them even simply count how many times they pull it out in an hour of social time. So kind of two separate things. One time you can say like, okay, while we're in this like social setting for the next hour or whatever, just count how many times you pull it out, right? How many times do you glance at it? How many times do you check notifications? And then encourage them to cut that in half the next time you try and then cut it in half again and kind of wean themselves essentially. And then go to a place where you can have this social time with your team where no one has their phone. Like they're all in a basket in the front by the front door and everybody is working on something together, right? Anything you can do to encourage more face-to-face -face time with the people around them, the better. And you'll see connections with your dancers and friendships improve. So that's my first strategy, doing what you can to keep screens out of practice and social time. And if you're going to try this, I encourage you also to explain a little bit about what you're doing and not in a blaming way, not saying like, you know, your generation can't do this. So I have to help you. Like, it's not about, it's not their fault. This is the generation they grew up in. This is the technology that's available to them. And there's a lot of advantages to that, but just explaining, like, it's really important to me that we truly get to know each other, that we spend some time off a screen looking face to face and connecting. So explain the value of what you hope to get out of it. This is not a punishment. This is not like I'm taking your phones for an hour because I'm mad at you. That's not the point. It's we're not punishing anything. We are trying to encourage our dancers to get to know each other and truly connect at that basic human level. And sometimes they need help learning how to put it away and learning the value of kind of sitting in uncomfortable silence, talking to each other, getting to know each other and connecting at that human level. This episode is brought to you by the Tears System. The Tears System is an app for dance coaches made by dance coaches. It gives you the tools to empower your dancers to take control of their technique and development. The app provides you with over 150 skills broken down by category, turns, leaps, jumps, acro and tumbling, and by level, beginner through elite. The skills list are customizable so you can make sure it fits your unique team. The app tracks dancers' progress through the skill progression so you and your dancers can transparently see where they are in their skill development and what they need to do to move to the next level or tier. The tier system provides you with data insights into your team's progress, goals, and future. Some other bonuses include tutorials to accompany skills so that dancers can learn independently. There's practice plan templates, cleaning checklists, discussion prompts for the team leaders, and more. Because again, this was developed by a dance coach. You can register your team for the Tier System app by visiting the show notes of this episode 
or visit chelseaparati.com slash tears, T-I-E-R-S. That's chelseaparati.com slash tears. Second strategy is maybe a little challenging for us, but to be a role model as the teacher. Notice how much you were on your phone as well. If you are at a social setting, even if you know if there's other teachers around and there's other adults, like, do you all have your phone out? Do you check it a lot? If you are sitting around at uh, competitions and conventions and football games and wherever you are as your dancers, how many times do you pull out your phone and check it? How often are you just scrolling social media during a water break and in the studio? Like, how many times have you pulled out your phone during the day when you've been around your dancers? Like, be that strong model for the behavior you're looking for by keeping your own phone away during those team events, even social events. And I know this is really hard. And I know sometimes for us, we're like, I need my own break. I need to get away. And I get that. But this is a really important place where being that model matters, right? Giving you the chance to connect with your dancers, to have those little side conversations, to get to know them a little bit better. So again, I think having our phones away in class is is easy, right? We can put it away for an hour and focus on dance. But I'm talking more about if you are ever in, you know, some of those social settings or even the 10 minutes before class starts, have your phone away and ready so that you are greeting your students as they come in, right? You're checking in with everybody before practice starts. You're just modeling that behavior for them. And I know speaking even as a parent, I know this is really hard and it hits me with as a parent even more than as a teacher, but it's important that we are that role model for what the behavior that we want to see. The third suggestion here is to encourage internal reflection. So one of the skills that this media driven generation struggles with is being present in their own heads. It's actually harder for them to just sit in silence and kind of be with their own thoughts because they never are. They're so used to something else entertaining them that sitting in silence with their own thoughts can be scary and even downright excruciating for some of them. And I will say I've seen many adults who also really struggle with this. So this may not just be your dancers. You may be struggling with this too or know others who are that just sitting in silence and letting your thoughts wander or you know being with your own thoughts can feel scary. So teaching our dancers the ability to do internal reflection and to sit with our thoughts and recognize that we can control those thoughts is a huge step for mental health and mental toughness. So spend five minutes a week, right? Sitting with a journal at the end of practice, the end of class, asking them to reflect. You can use specific prompts or just ask them to write about their thoughts. There are so many benefits to journaling, and I think this is something I'll go into deeper another time, but most importantly in this context, journaling means that you're helping them learn to be present in the moment and comfortable with the most important person in their lives themselves, right? Getting them to just stop and like, how do you really feel right now? What are you really thinking about? And again, as I was talking about how much teenage brains are growing and changing, One of the things 
you know, in early adolescence, 12, 13, 14, is when we learn about what's called metacognition, but it's essentially thinking about our own thoughts, right? The first time you can recognize a thought, say, oh, that was a really negative thought. Why did I do that? Right? You can start to think about your own thought process, but it can be scary. It's why we get in our heads and it's why high school can be really dramatic for a lot of people. So journaling and encouraging this internal reflection, like there's no phones, nothing else is stimulating your brain, but you. So sit with those thoughts and how are you really feeling? So I hope those three things are a good place to kind of start thinking about how we as teachers can be a positive impact on our dancers, keeping screens out of practice and even some team social time, being a role model and encourage that internal reflection. So now I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about how removing technology actually improves work ethic. Letting our minds wander and really reflecting on what's going on in our heads is absolutely a lost art. I believe we all need to spend some time getting acquainted with ourselves again. But if you're coaching high school dancers right now, especially, chances are they need more help than you do with learning how to do this. And they may need a complete intervention. So if your dancers have a hard time staying focused um, or pushing through a really challenging practice, it honestly could be partially because they're uncomfortable in their own heads with no control over their thoughts. So they start to think, oh, this cardio training is so hard or my legs hurt or I'm tired and they can't stop those negative thoughts from overwhelming them. They find it hard to push through and they choose to quit or be lazy. The good news is there's a pretty simple exercise that helps your dancers begin to take control of their thoughts and learn to stay positive and focused in a challenge. And all it takes, guess what, is that little journal exercise, just like what I was talking about before. Journaling provides that opportunity to reflect and reflection is essential for learning. It's one of the best tools for self-improvement. There've been lots of scientific studies that found positive outcomes when people take the time to engage in self-reflection. But the focus here, again, for my point in today's conversation is that it allows dancers to become more aware of their own thoughts, which in turn allows them to control those negative thoughts and turn them into a positive. So thinking about getting out of their own heads, getting out of their way and, you know, putting technology aside, if you want dancers who have a little bit more grit, who are going to push through when things get hard, who don't quit when it gets challenging, Journaling is actually a really great place to start because you help them be aware of their own thoughts because the first step is to recognize when those negative thoughts come in, when they start to say like, oh, I'm tired, I can't do this one more time. Or, you know, when we dance teachers inevitably say that like the one more time and we know we don't really mean one more time or maybe we do mean one more time, but it never quite works out. But when we say that and the dancers have their reaction and they, they immediately go like, oh, I can't, I don't have one more time, I'm so tired they need to start to recognize, nope, that's not going to help me right now. I need to flip it around one more time. I got this. Let's do it. But the first step again is to notice that the negative thought happened in the first place. And what I'm seeing in this generation of dancers is that they don't spend a lot of time with their own thoughts because of the presence of media in their lives. And so they don't even recognize how much those thoughts are taking over, that they even have the power to control those thoughts in the first place. So journaling is my best advice of a great place to start. If you choose to add journaling as a regular part of your weekly practice schedule or even daily as some people do, even just, you know, five minutes, you'll be teaching your dancers to control their thoughts, to learn from their mistakes and ultimately push through challenges because they recognize 
the improvements and positive outcomes that the work has brought. So you will have a team who works harder and is less likely to quit and be lazy. How amazing is that, right? So I encourage you to try it out this summer. You know, during a practice, as you're getting ready, uh, as you're doing workouts in the summer, ask your dancers to leave their phones and come together for a short meeting. If they have a journal, bring it with them. If you have something as a team, just give them a few minutes to reflect and write about anything, any kind of prompts you want to use. Here's a few ideas, right? You could say, you know, say if you're at an actual event like nationals or camp or you know, something specific is going on in your season. You can ask like, what's your favorite part about this right now? What's your favorite part about the new team? You know, you can ask what's something your teammates don't know about you? What's been the most challenging moment of this event so far? What made it so challenging? Or what moment so far during this event are you most proud of your efforts? You know, what would it feel like if you didn't have access to your phone or the internet for a day? What emotions would you feel? How do you think it would what do you think you would do with your time, right? You can go anywhere with these, focusing on dance, focusing on getting to know them, you know, focusing on thinking about really hard, challenging things to something light and fun. And then you can choose to share some of the answers in a group discussion or keep it personal. But either way, journaling will support your dancers and their efforts to learn more about themselves and the world around them. You'll help them learn to put their phone down, connect with the people dancing next to them. You'll not only be giving them that invaluable life skill, but you'll have a much happier group of dancers to coach too. If you want more journal prompts to use with your team, you can go to chelseaparati.com slash 22 uh, or look at the show notes of this episode wherever you're listening and you can download the free PDF with lots of prompts ideas. And I find all sorts of ideas just on Pinterest has good things. There's all sorts of journaling kind of books and prompts and ideas out there. Or if you're really stuck one day, ask your dancers and say, what do you guys want to write about today? Does somebody have something for me? It helps me do this if I spend a little bit of time in the summer when things are not as stressful and come up with a whole bunch of prompts and then you just have a database. So when you're in kind of the, the midst of everything, you're not going, ah, shoot, I forgot to think of something. Like you just have it. You have the list. You pick one. You go for it. I just want to encourage you to try it this summer, see what fits. It's it's not going to be the miracle cure for everyone, but it can be really helpful for so many dancers. And the more people I've worked with in consulting or more teachers and coaches I've talked to who do this find it incredibly powerful. And the reason it's so powerful is that it's helping this generation of dancers kind of connect with themselves again, where their digital native lives has made that hard. So that's kind of looping back to why I was talking about technology and the brain at the beginning is because we know how much their brains are changing and adapting during these kind of critical middle school to college years. But the presence of technology is actually making some of this human connection harder. They're really starving for that connection and helping them sit with their own thoughts, reflect and share with their fellow dancers where they have this safe place to connect with people who also care about something that they love is such a beautiful life lesson for them. And I'm all about life lessons. We just happen to be teaching them through dance. I hope this was helpful. And as always, keep sharing your passion for dance with the world.